Well, um, this morning, I have to tell you that I'm, I am excited about what God laid on Pastor Philip's heart, uh, this series on worship, Audience of One. Uh, worship is pretty important. I don't know if you realize this, but you were created to be in a relationship with God. And out of that relationship with God, you were created to worship Him. As you discovered who He is and you learned more about Him, uh, God has created us to worship Him and to be in His presence. And that's what His passion, that's what His desire is all about. And you also need to know this, that worship is very, very important to Cedar Creek Church. Um, our, our vision says that we're going to reach people, we're going to help those people connect with those of us that are already in the body of Christ so that we can all, number three, grow together. And as we grow together and understand what God's will and desire is for all of us, that we begin to serve Him and ultimately that we honor Him. And that fifth piece is the one I want to speak about for just a minute. One of our purposes is to help people um, to be able to honor God, to be able to worship Him. And so, so much of what we do is created for that very purpose, to help people worship Him. And so this is really, really important, what we're going to be talking about over these next three weeks. I'm really excited because two weeks from today, uh, we're going to get to worship in a way, a lot of times we've saved for Sunday night, but we're going to have an opportunity to worship on Sunday morning with baptism and Lord's Supper. So on that Sunday morning, the 25th, we're not only going to have um, the music piece of this, Pastor Philip will share briefly, but we're also going to have an opportunity to see people go through the baptismal waters and celebrate and worship the God that saved them. And then we're also going to have an opportunity to share the Lord's Supper together, an opportunity to reflect and to remember the ultimate price that Christ paid for each of us. So that's going to be a great Sunday. So these next couple Sundays, we're going to be setting up what's coming on that third Sunday. So as I say, this is just going to be a, a great time. It was a great opportunity for me as I prepared for today's message just to remember the importance of worship. So with that being said, I want to go ahead and get started. And one of the things I want you to think about for just a minute is when you hear that word worship, what comes to your mind? Uh, most likely for most of us, singing is the first thing that we think about. Uh, when you think about worship, you think about singing. But the reality is that is only one small piece of worship. I spent a few minutes thinking about that and just started thinking about the fact that when you and I pray, that is a form of worship. When you and I spend time studying God's Word, that is a form of worship. When we get into relationships that help us and we help someone else grow closer and closer to Jesus Christ, that is worship. I think about sharing our faith when you serve. When you're grateful and thankful to God, those are ways that we worship. And then one that I don't always do a great job of this one, but the very bodies that we have, these can be used as a way to worship God as we take care of that, realizing that Scripture tells us God's Spirit lives in us and that our bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit, that as we take care of our bodies, that's a way that we worship God. I really love the way that the Apostle Paul puts it in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, because um, this kind of catches all of the bases. And he says this, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all that he's done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. And I read that verse, and I think the Apostle Paul really did get it, and he really did understand worship, that it's about our whole being. And what I love about that verse is he talks about a living sacrifice. And I don't know a whole lot. I don't hunt, and I don't, make many, I don't do many sacrifices or anything else, to tell you the truth. But one of the things I know is that typically if you put an animal up on an altar, that first thing that animal wants to do is roll over and get off of that altar. It doesn't want to be there. 
And Paul is saying that we need to offer our bodies to God as a living sacrifice. The fact that we get up there knowingly and we're not trying to get off of it and we're not trying to escape, but that we're going to stay on that altar because we realize as we sacrifice, as we give ourselves to God, that is our act of worship. And so I'm so appreciative of that verse being in Scripture to give us an overview that worship really is about everything that's in us. So with that being said, let me go ahead and get into the meat of what I want to share with you today. And this will be on the card that you got when you came in. So let's just start. And I'm going to do this a little weird. Um, I'm not going to tell you what worship is today. I'm going to share with you what worship is not. And hopefully by doing that, it'll give you a little bit clearer picture of what it is. So I hope that makes sense to you. That's what we're going to do anyway. So hopefully at the end you'll be good. But number one, uh, what worship is not, it's not going through the motions. Worship is not going through the motions. I'm going to talk about what that means in just a second, but before I do that, I want to read a, a passage of Scripture that I'll talk about as we go through the message today. To, to That's just going to be our takeoff point. So give me just a minute. I'm going to read the first 15 verses of Mark chapter 7, and you can follow along in your Bible, on your Bible app, on the screen, um, but just follow along with me as I read this. One day, some of the Pharisees and teachers of religious law arrived from Jerusalem to see Jesus. They noticed that some of his disciples failed to follow the Jewish ritual of, ritual of hand-washing before eating. The Jews, especially the Pharisees, do not eat until they poured water over their cupped hands as required by their ancient traditions. Similarly, they don't eat anything from the market until they immerse their hands in water. This is but one of the many traditions that they have clung to, such as ceremonial washing of cups, pitchers, and kettles. So the Pharisees and teachers of the religious law ask him, why don't your disciples follow our age-old tradition? They eat without first performing the hand-washing ceremony. Jesus replied, you, hypocrite, you hypocrites, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you, for he wrote, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Listen to this. Their worship is a farce, for they teach man-made ideas as commands from God. For you ignore God's law and substitute your own tradition. Verse 9, then he said, you skillfully sidestep God's law in order to hold on to your own tradition. For instance, Moses gave you this law from God. Honor your father and mother, and anyone who speaks disrespectfully of father or mother must be put to death. But you say it's all right for people to say to their parents, sorry, I can't help you, for I vowed to give to God what I would have given to you. In this way, you would let them disregard their needy parents. And so you cancel the word of God in order to hand down your own tradition. And this is only one of the examples among many others. Then Jesus called to the crowd to come and hear. All of you listen, he said, and try to understand. It's not what goes in your body that defiles you. You are defiled by what comes from your heart. Now, I'm going to come back to those in just a minute. Before I do that, let me ask you a question. How many of you, before you came into this service, you kind of scheduled out and planned how many times you were going to take a breath? Anybody take a lot of time and calculate how many times you needed to breathe during this service? If you did, see me afterwards because you need help. Um, or how many of you, before you came in this morning, calculated how many times you were going to blink? I mean, you'd be crazy to sit there and do that. And here's why. Because those are involuntary reactions or actions. They just happen. What I want to say to you is this. Worship is not like that. You don't just come in the door and involuntarily you start worshiping. You have to come in the door wanting that. You have to come in the door seeking that. You have to come in the door hungry for that. 
And it's not something that just happens. There's some preparation that goes into that. And even as you come in here, you have to want to do that. You have to want to really meet and worship God. So it's not done simply by going through some going through some motions. Coming in here, picking up your card, speaking to a few people, getting greeted, sing a couple of sing uh, three or four songs, sit down, hear a message, go home, and you've worshipped. That's not necessarily the case, and that's not necessarily how it happens. And I think it's really easy for worship to become a going through the motion kind of thing for us. I think it's easy to come in on a Sunday morning and for you to sing some songs and not really think about what you're singing. Maybe even to walk out and get in your car and drive off, and if your family starts discussing what happened in worship, that maybe you don't even realize what you sung about and what you were opening your mouth and what you were supposed to be uh, um, saying to God, you're not even aware of that. Or maybe for you, it's your daily time with God, your quiet time. Um, And there's a lot of times you just all of a sudden feel like you're going through the motion. Now let me tell you this, um, just this little disclaimer. Um, I struggle with that too. There are many times that I would would rather lay in my bed and I would rather do my own thing than to get up and to spend time with God. So I get that and understand that. And at times I even have to fight that routine and I have to fight that that whole um, urge of just, hey, this is emotion and I'm supposed to be doing this. So I get that. But if that's what happens day after day after day after day, it's not worship anymore. It just becomes that going through the motion. Or maybe um, it's giving. And when the giving time in the service comes and you have written your check, and I hope many of you give online, that's always a great way to give, by the way. But if you choose to write your check, it's just kind of almost, hey, home, I'm just going to write this check, throw it in my envelope, throw it in the offering basket, I'm going to whip out my wallet, I'm going to throw some cash in there. And you don't really stop to think about that what you're giving is a way to honor God. It's a way to worship God. It's carrying out his message. It's carrying out the hope and the love and the forgiveness that come through Jesus. And we get in the routine of just thinking, this is what I'm supposed to do. Or the last one I thought about is um, caring for our bodies again, um, because I I do believe those are a temple of the Holy Spirit. And you start doing that for the wrong reasons. Um, You start doing that so that you look all buff and that you can go to the beach and take off your shirt and your big old six-pack shows and your pec show and your big biceps. And it's all for you. It's It's not for God. It's not the fact that he lives in us and that our bodies are his temple. So it's easy for us to get into those motions and start doing some of those things over and over again, not really thinking about it. And that's what was happening in this passage today. The Pharisees, who were religious leaders, and I like to to refer to them kind of being like ministers, like myself. And these guys had lost focus, and they came to Jesus pretty upset because people weren't following these customs. They weren't going through these motions that they were supposed to go through that the Pharisees thought were so important. Here's the problem. The Pharisees created over 600 laws on top of the commandments that God had given them. And they knew all 600 plus of those laws backwards and forwards. And they would let you know when you broke one of those laws. And most of those laws were absolutely ridiculous and didn't make any sense. But they would lord those over people all the time. And life was miserable a lot of times for a Jewish person because they were watching all the time. Well, they messed with the wrong person, and they went to Jesus to complain about this. And Jesus pretty much lit them up. I don't know any other way to say it, but he jacked these boys up for what they were saying and basically said, what are you doing? This is not about a bunch of man-made laws. As a matter of fact, what you call worship, the motions you go through that you think are worship, he said, your worship is a farce. It's not even real. It's a joke. 
And he really does have a serious conversation with them to say to them, this isn't about going through a bunch of motions, and this isn't fo about following a bunch of commandments. It's way more than that. So what I, what I want you to understand is that this is serious to Jesus. This was important to him, and it's more important than just running through a bunch of motions. What he wanted his Pharisees to remember is this, and I, I failed to get the guys to put this on your card. So I'm going to ask you to write this down for just a minute. And it's a definition of worship. What Jesus wanted them to remember is that worship is responding to who God is and what God has done. I'll give that to you again. Worship is responding to who God is and to what he's done. That's what he wanted the Pharisees to do. Focus on who God is and focus on what God's done with you. And don't add all these other things. Those things are just motions. They're not important. You need to focus on what's most important. And so that's what he does. He just unloads on them to remind them of that. And so instead of a bunch of actions, a bunch of motions that cause us to lose focus, I think Jesus would say to us, focus on God and focus on what God has done to you. And as you do that, that's worship. So number one, uh, worship is not going through the motions. A second thing, worship is not focusing on rituals. It's not focusing on rituals. What am I talking about? Well, a ritual is just an act or a series of acts that are repeated um, in a set or in a precise way. So that's all we're talking about, an act or a series of acts that are repeated in a set and a precise way. And we see rituals all over the place. Churches have rituals, believe it or not. We're going to talk about that in a minute. Fraternities and sororities have their rituals. You also have cultural groups. You have organizations. A lot of different people and groups have rituals. And here's the thing. The rituals are not bad in and of themselves. They become bad if all of a sudden you lose the focus of what's most important, which is what was happening in these verses. You know, in the church, we definitely have rituals. Let me share a few of these with you. One of them is a worship style. I don't know if you're aware of this, but there are some churches that the only way that you can worship is with this book that's called a hymnal. And many of you probably don't even know what I'm talking about, but I grew up in a traditional church. Um, and again, nothing wrong with that, but everything we did came out of that hymnal. Um, and that was pretty much, that was it. And you didn't do anything outside of that hymnal. And that can absolutely become a ritual because the, hymn, the hymnal is not the only place to find songs that worship God. Or for some people, an organ and a piano. You got to have that organ and piano in order to worship. Um, all this other stuff, you don't need this, but you got to have those two things or people get their feathers ruffled and feel like it's not worship. So that's one of the ways we can make it a ritual. Um, another one is an order of service. And many of you don't even know what that is because we don't give those here. But it's a lot of churches, when you get that, it's kind of what's going to happen in the service. And it's got to happen according to that service. And you can't change anything from it. And that's what's got to happen. And so don't alter it. Don't change it. Don't do anything. That order of service is how God's presence shows up. Got to follow that. Or how about this one? Sometimes ministries or programs can become a ritual to us. Sometimes um, the way people are dressed, the way people look, that becomes a ritual to us. And how in the world is God going to accept that person or this person's messed up or they've got this issue going on. And that can become a ritual for us that, hey, we only reach certain kind of people, which, again, I don't get that, but that's where um, some places are. And then even crazy things. Let me share with you a couple of these because this blows my mind, and I experienced this one last week. Went to, a, I had last Sunday off, so I went to a church, and I walked in the church, and I'm ashamed to tell you this, but when I got ready to sit down uh, with my wife and my daughter, um, I actually had the thought, am I getting ready to sit down in a seat that someone has to sit in every week in order to worship God? 
Because there are some people out there that they have to sit in the same seat every week. And if you go into their church and you sit in their seat, they I'm, t- I'm, t- I'm not making this stuff up. They will ask you to move, okay? That's, I'm just being straight up serious with you. So what I want you to understand, that's a ritual I'm talking about, okay? Or how about this one? Um, the clothes that people wear. I will never forget this as a teenager. Had a wonderful pastor in Charlotte, North Carolina. Man, that guy could preach. At that point, I was a student. He loved students. He hung out with us. Just an incredible man. One Sunday, he decided that <laughs> he was going to wear a pinky ring, okay? People in that church, some of them freaked out because the pastor of the church decided to wear a pinky ring. And even as a teenager, I thought to myself, what is happening here? This man's up here preaching God's Word. He studies, walking with Jesus. He's making a difference in people's lives. And they're hung up on the fact he has a pinky ring on. That's a ritual. Or the fact one of my good friends that was a worship leader one Sunday came up in what I thought was a pretty slick-looking purple suit. And he got just devoured because he had a purple suit on and his pants were a little bit too long. Yo, I'm, I'm, I'm being serious. This is crazy stuff. The rituals that people get focused on that keep them from worshiping. That Jesus would say, what are you doing? These aren't commands and these aren't laws. You need to focus on me and what I've commanded and what my laws are. That's worship and knowing who I am. You're going to notice in verse 6 and 7 that I read a minute ago. Let me read real quick those to you again. Jesus says this to them. You hypocrites, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. For he wrote, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship is a farce, for they teach man-made ideas as the commands of God. And I read those to you again because what's happening here is that Jesus excuse me, is referring back to Isaiah, an Old Testament prophet. And he's basically saying that, that in this situation, Isaiah was writing to some people that were guilty of using pious words and praying these great prayers. But the reality is they were following man-made laws, man-made traditions. And as a result of that, they were given lip service, but there was no life commitment at all to God. They were going through the rituals. And Jesus, again, really, really condemns this kind of behavior to them, even to the point of saying that worship is farce. So he's warning these Pharisees that what matters most to him is not what comes out of their mouth. What matters to him most is what's in their heart. That's what's most important to him. And he's sharing that with them in this exchange. And he's saying to them, quit going through the motions. He would say to us today, quit going through the motions. It's about so much more than just the motions uh, and those motions. It's about your heart. It's about connecting with God. And what he says here that's scary to me is that their worship, that word farce that he uses there actually means to be vain or to be fruitless. So he's saying to them, all this stuff that you're doing that looks like worship, it's vain and it's fruitless and it's not true worship. And my hope and my prayer is today that when you come in here, God's not looking at your life or my life as we worship and saying that's a farce because you've made it about all these other rituals or you've made it about going through the motions and that's not what worship is. Worship is totally about you responding to me and what I've done for you. That's worship. So this morning, um, looking at verse 8, kind of sums it up really, really well at this point. He says, for your ignorance, uh, you know, for you ignore God's law and substitute your own tradition. And are we guilty of that today? Ignoring what God's word teaches, what God wants us to be about for a ritual or going through the motions. Because if so, uh, we're doing that in ignorance and that's not worship at all. So let me go to, the, to our third thing. So, so far what we've said is that worship is not going through the motions. Worship is not about rituals. Number three, worship is not about me.
Imagine a church where every member is passionately, wholeheartedly, and recklessly calling the shots. I don't know who sets the worship center temperature, but why does it have to be so cold? Why do you have to be so right? Heated chairs are now being installed. This one wants a small church, but I'm afraid if it's too small, they're gonna make me volunteer like crazy. And I don't stack chairs, do I? Makes total sense. Join now and we'll let you decide the size of our church. We're millennials and we want a church that- Say no more. Any requests you have will be granted immediately. Parking is horrible. It takes me almost six minutes to get from my car to the building. Oh. It's gonna take me six seconds to tell you a valet service is on the way. My pastor's preaching, it's all over the map. I say, oh, I don't know, stick with the books of the Bible. We should be only exegetical. Okay, next week we start John chapter one, verse one. And we'll even start pronouncing that word the way you said it. Hey, I'd like this sermon to be no longer than 30 minutes. How does 15 minutes sound? Hey, anybody willing to go to 15 should be willing to go to 10. <laughs> you drive a hard bargain. But from now on, five-minute sermons it is. <laughs> now you're talking. Me, church, where it's all about you. I've got some bad news for you. Um... This is not a me church, and you're not getting a five-minute message, okay? We've already been going longer than that, and i got a little bit more to do. But what a crazy video. But you know what? That really is, and we laugh at that. But sometimes you would be surprised at some of the things we hear that people think should be happening at this church. Um, it blows me away sometimes at how we can get so focused on the me, the me church, and I want it my way. Think about this for just a minute. There's a lot of people in the worship center today. There's a lot of people that are online today. Um, God has created each of us uniquely um, with different desires, passions. We do like different styles of worship. So think about this for a minute. How in the world would we ever be able to create a worship service that is every element of it is going to be right up your alley and it's going to be your favorite way to worship? You know, as a staff, sometimes we kid around that if Jesus were actually the worship leader of Cedar Creek Church, there would still be people that would be mad. Um, he didn't play my song. The music was too loud. I didn't, didn't like what the lights were doing. Uh, I don't like the lyrics of that song. I mean, there, he could not even stand up here and do it. And the reality is, it's not about you. It's about looking. It's about um, focusing on Jesus Christ, who he is, responding to him. That needs to be our focus. And I want you to know this, here at Cedar Creek, we don't take Sunday morning lightly. Um, Tuesday mornings, we get together, all of our campuses here, and we look at today's worship, we'll look at next week's worship, we'll look ahead at what's coming up, we'll spend quite a bit of time talking about thinking through, praying through what worship is going to look like, and where Pastor Philip, where he's leading us, and us getting on board with that, and us just figuring out, God, where do you want us to go with worship? Thursday afternoons at 2 o'clock, the Banks Mill staff gets together, um, and we look at this worship service in detail, how it's going to flow, when things are going to happen, who's doing what. Uh, we spend a lot of time getting ready for worship, because it's important to us. Um, and we realize it's not even about us. It's are we connecting to God? Are we doing what God has called us to do in leading our church forward? Um, and I'm going I'm to meddle for a minute. I might even make you mad for a minute, but I'm okay with that because this is a question I think we really do need to wrestle with for a minute. But do you ever walk through the doors of this church with this question on your mind? Um, what am I going to get out of this? Do you ever come through the door thinking about that? What am I going to get out of this? 
because that automatically takes you to a me church. Because here's the reality. It's not about you. It's about God. It's about responding to him. It's about meeting him. And that can happen in many, many different ways. It's easy to get focused on whether you like worship, on whether you like the worship songs that, that were done that day, the sermon that was done that day, other elements. It's easy to leave here and go to a restaurant and talk with all of your friends about that and how you would change this and how you would do that. Now, I know that's not our church, but other churches have that issue. But it's easy for us to really get to focus on what is, what is this is all about me. What am I getting out of it? What, what can happen to that church that will help me feel better? Um, how can I come in that door and, and it be focused on me? But the problem is all of that points back to one thing, and that is it points back to us. It points back to me. And that's not where the focus of worship needs to be. It needs to be on God. And in the verses we're looking at today, um, that's kind of what was going on there. The, the Pharisees at that point had made it all about them and their traditions and their laws and the things that they felt like people had to do that, again, were not at all what God had planned for them. It was about their customs, their traditions, their practices. Verse 13 says this, and by doing that, by focusing on those things, Jesus says, and so you, can, so you cancel the word of God in order to hand down your own traditions. And this is only one example among many others. That's pretty scary to me that these guys got so focused on themselves that, that Jesus would say to them, you cancel the word of God. You take away the authority of God's word. Um, it's not, it doesn't have the power that it should have. You take, you're depriving it. You're canceling it out. This is a big deal that these guys would be that misguided about worship is, about what worship is. But we can do that as well and make it about us, and that's a very dangerous thing to do, and we need to be careful not to do that. So first of all, worship is not going through the motions. Second, it's not focusing on rituals. Third, it's not about me. And then the final point is this. Worship is not neglecting the need for obedience. Now, this is a big point here. It's not neglecting the need for obedience. Verse 15 says this, the last part of verse 15. You are defiled by what comes from your heart. And what Jesus is talking about with the Pharisees is one of the big, big things for, for um, pharisaical law was that you, there were clean foods and there were unclean foods. If you ate the unclean food, of course, you were unclean. It was sinful. You had to go through this huge purification process in order to get clean. And they, in their minds, thought when you eat that unclean food that that's what defiles you. That's what makes you unclean. What Jesus is saying here is it's not about the food. It's about what comes out of your heart that defiles you. So let's talk about for a minute what we're, what we're talking about here. Obedience is critical. Obedience is simply conforming to or complying with is what that word means. Uh, if you're obedient, you're either conforming to or complying with something or someone. My mind went back to my parents when I read that growing up. Um, if I was in obedience to my parents, I was complying with or conforming to their standards for whatever the situation was. In a place of employment, same thing. As, as employees, we're, doing, we're, we're obeying whatever that company is that we work with, whatever their policies or whatever their procedures are. We're conforming to those and complying with those. What does obedience have to do with worship? It's really simple. Obedience reveals where the heart is. Think about that for a minute. Obedience reveals where your heart is. Um, and if you want to see that, two quick places you can see that. One is look at your checkbook, and second, look at your schedule. And you want to see what you worship, who you worship, those two places will tell you. What are you spending your money on and what are you spending your time on? 
those will tell you because you're obeying that calendar, you're obeying your money unless you're controlling that and you have a plan, a purpose, and you're doing it God's way. That seems to control us and we become obedient to those things. So we've got to be careful with that because we are obeying or listening to someone or something all the time. And if we really stop to think about it, that can be pretty scary. If we're not obeying, if we're not following, if we're not worshiping God, we're obeying, we're following, we're worshiping something else. You know, we can fool a lot of people by looking the part of a worshiper, but true worship 100% of the time will involve obedience. And that is so important that we get that, that we understand that. When you and I obey God, we are definitely worshiping Him. As a matter of fact, there are times, and, and Pastor Philip and his family right there, right now, they're in this season of at times struggling in their relationship with God. But here's what I so admire about their family. They're pushing through, and they're doing the things that they know God has called them to do, even when it's not easy, even when it's not fun, even on those hard days, the very best they can. They're pushing through to try to be obedient. And as they do that, they're worshiping God. And people are watching and people are being drawn to God by what they're doing. And they'll continue to do that and people will continue to be drawn to God by the fact they're obedient. Even in those hard times, continue to do what you know God's called you to do. Practice that obedience and you are actually worshiping God as you do that. I want you to listen to the last part of verse 15. That was a verse I read a moment ago. You're defiled by what comes out of your heart. Let me say one quick word about that. What, what is it that makes our heart defiled? Well, first of all, that word defiled means to make common or to make profane or to make unclean. So one of the things that we need to understand is our heart is unclean. It's defiled by what's in it. What do I mean by that? When you and I ignore the truths of the Bible and we choose to live apart from the, the lives that God's called us to live, we practice selfishness, pride, hatred, greed. We hurt other people because that's what's coming out of our heart. That's what's in our heart. Because we're not worshiping God. We're not conforming to what he wants us to. We're not understanding who he is and what he's done for us. And once we pull away from that and we stop worshiping him, then all of a sudden our hearts change and our lives change. And instead of those things, the selfishness, pride, and hatred that come out, God would say, what I want to come out is love and peace and forgiveness and grace. So it's so important that we understand our need for obedience is absolutely a way to worship. And what we do is we move from being defiled, according to this verse, to being worshipers as we follow, as we surrender to him, as we become obedient to him. So what I want you to know today is this, as we've gone through the messages, that what worship is not, first of all, it is not going through the motions. It is not focusing on a bunch of rituals. It's not about me. It's not about neglecting the need for obedience. It's about understanding who God is. And it's about understanding what God did for you. And so with that in mind, one of the things I love about what we're doing right now is my hope and my prayers that we get ready to go into this time of worship in just a few moments, that your perspective might have been changed a little bit. And it won't be about a ritual. And it won't be about you. And it won't be about going through some motions. But you'll really stop and think about the words that are coming out of your mouth. And maybe instead of singing, you need to sit there and listen. Maybe you need to kneel down. Maybe you want to come up here and make this an altar up front and worship here. I don't know how you want to do that, but my prayer, my passion is that you simply respond to God in these next few moments, understand who he is, pay attention to what we're singing and the words and the meaning of those words, and that we truly worship him for the next few moments. And then one other thing before I pray that I want you to understand is why is worship so important? I thought about a lot of reasons, but a few I just really quickly wanted to share. One is nobody loves you like God loves you. 
Listen to me closely. Nobody loves you like God loves you. I don't care when you came in this door today, what you feel about yourself. I don't care how far away you feel from God, how badly you think you messed up. I'm telling you from God's word, Jesus Christ came into this world to die for you because of God's great love for him. And he passionately loves you this morning. And that's the reason why we need to worship him. He also paid the greatest price for you. Uh, he laid down his life for you and all the stuff that's in your life and the brokenness that's in your life. He laid down his life for you. That's why we need to worship him today. He also has a plan for your life. No matter how messed up you think you are right now, what I'm telling you is God will work with you. If you will turn to him, trust him, be walking with him, worshiping him, being obedient to him, he's going to take all the mistakes that you feel like have disqualified you, and he's going to work all those things to, uh, out in his perfect plan for your life. And you won't be the same tomorrow. You won't be the same the next day, next year, because God's going to gradually begin to bring you back right where you need to be, but he's going to do it out of that love for you. So this morning, as I get ready to pray, I just ask you to be praying as well that uh, distractions would be gone, that you would be able to listen for God's voice, that you would be able to see words on the screen to really think about what they're meaning, and that we would truly worship Him without distraction today. So would you take a moment and pray with me? Father, I want to come to you and thank you for our time this morning. Father, I want to thank you for your incredible love for each one of us. Father, I am so mindful today of just your desire to be in relationship with us and your incredible love that makes that possible and, and sacrifice that you made to make that possible. And my prayer right now is as we get ready to go into a time of worship, that you would help us to do just that. Father, that you would take away distractions, you would take away the things that might keep us from really concentrating on what's being sung, on something you may be trying to say to us, that we would just be open to be in your presence this morning. So I ask you to guide and direct these next few moments as we just have some time to spend reflecting on who you are, being reminded of what you've done for us, and just simply being in your presence. So I look forward to what's going to take place in these next few moments. And also pray especially this morning for the person maybe who's come through the door this morning and just doesn't feel like they're important. Father, it maybe feels like you've left them, a situation, a circumstance has happened in their life, a death has happened maybe, and they just feel so separated from you. I pray that they would encounter you in a new and a fresh way today, and they would be reminded of your incredible love for them. So, Father, thank you that despite our brokenness, despite us being so messed up, that you still want to be in a relationship with us. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your forgiveness, for your grace, for your mercy. And right now, we just look forward for these next few moments of turning all our attention toward you. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.